0: I'd like for you to go with me to the book of Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter number 1, Acts chapter number 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Acts chapter number 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. We live in a very complicated world, and uh, our lives get extremely complicated, do they not? And... uh, In the midst of the hustle and bustle and the complication and the endless technology and the numerous interruptions, don't you hearken back in your heart and desire to live in a simpler time and in a simpler day? And though that's not really possible, I do want you to know that we can live in a way that uh, removes some of these distractions and complications from our lives uh, when we find our rest in the Lord. He said to his disciples in Mark chapter 6, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. And uh, we find that when they tried to do that, they uh, were uh, really their activity <coughs> excuse me their activity didn't slow down because the people drew near and uh, their life really got more complicated but in the midst of the complication they learned to find their rest in Christ and as we enter into a new year and a new decade here in our church i think it's important for us to revisit the basics of christian living and uh, to get back to those basics because in this hustle and bustle and in all of this uh, frustration of our age, uh, we have a tendency to get sidetracked and, and, and we have a tendency to have our minds shaped after the thinking of the world. And I think it's important for us uh, just as a church to look here in the book of Acts and visit these passages for a few weeks as uh, we desire in our hearts and in our not only in our church but in our personal life and, and in our home life to get back to the basics. And that's the burden that the Lord has placed on my heart uh, for our church at this time and in my own life, just to get back to the basics. And, and so as we, as we think about that thought, I want us to get back to the basics of the New Testament church to get back to the basics of the New Testament church. And uh, we live in an age where people have so many ideas about what a church ought to be like, what a church ought to do, how a church ought to, for lack of a better way to say it, how it ought to feel, what kind of experience we should have, what kind of programs it should have, all kinds of thoughts about the church. And so I want us to go back to the beginning And I want us uh, not to have a round table concerning our ideas about the church. I want us to hear from the author of the church and the founder of the church, the one who loved the church and the one who gave himself for the church. He's the one who commissions the church and he's the one who keeps the church and he's the one who's coming for the church. And so really... If we want to know what the church ought to be doing and what the church ought to be like, there's only one place to find out uh, that from, and that is from uh, the one who established it. And we find it in Acts chapter 1. So I want to encourage you to look there with me, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 1. And we understand that the human instrument who penned the uh, book known as the Acts of the Apostles is Luke. Luke. And so Luke has addressed this, we see in verse number one, to a man named Theophilus, who is also the recipient of the gospel according to Luke. And so as we read it, it's important for us to keep that in mind. We'll begin in verse one. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. That was the gospel record uh, according to Luke. And he describes it as all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. I'm glad that what Jesus began in his earthly life to do and to teach, he continues to do and to teach today. Uh, Though he is ascended into heaven, he is doing his work and teaching his truth through his church. I want you to look with me again, verse number 2 until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, that's after his crucifixion, he showed himself alive uh, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath's day's journey." We see three things that are essential for us today, three basic elements, three fundamental truths that we as a church must embrace if we are to get back to the basics of Christian living, if we're to get back to the basics of the New Testament church. There are three things I want to give them to you, and we're going to look at one of them this morning. First of all, the Lord's presence among us. That is something that we need to understand, the Lord's presence among us. Then secondly, the Lord's power through us, the Lord's power through us. And then finally, the Lord's plan for us, the Lord's plan for us. I want us, because of sake of time this morning, to look at this first thought, the Lord's presence among us. And I want you to see in verse number four, speaking of the resurrected Savior, Uh, Luke is writing here. And he says, uh, well, backpedal with me if you would to verse number three, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Uh, Luke begins his record of the early church by referring to, to his previous writing, as we have already seen in verse number one, and and that is, of course, the gospel according to Luke. He he refers back to that writing, and he refers also uh, to the absolute and indisputable certainty, the absolute and the indisputable certainty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me tell you, we serve a living Savior. That is a cardinal. That means that's a very important primary doctrine for us. We believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul lists for us many of those convincing proofs. In 1 Corinthians, the gospel records give us those convincing proofs. And by the way, no man in that age was able Uh, to uh, refute any of those infallible proofs. And no man since has been able to provide any evidence to the contrary. Friend, we serve a risen Savior. Muhammad did not come out of the grave. Uh, Buddha, any founder of any religion, uh, listen, there's only one, that's Jesus, who went to the cross and died for us and who went to the grave, buried, and on the third day, came out of that grave victorious over death and hell. That's Jesus. He's the only one. He is the risen Savior. He is the one who is alive forevermore. And so we see the importance and significance of this because if he's not a risen Savior, how can he possibly be present among us? And that is the point that Luke wants to make here in verse number four. The Bible says, and being assembled together, now don't miss this please, with them. If you underline things in your Bible, that's a great phrase to underline, with them. Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, when his disciples came together, he was with them. And as we're examining this first thought, we're examining this, the Lord's presence among us. The Lord is with us. Now, he showed himself alive, as we've mentioned, by many infallible proofs. That means they're irrefutable. You cannot dispute them. You cannot prove them. Contrary, Uh, these are the proofs of his resurrection. Not only did he show himself alive, but he spoke to them. He spoke to them. Uh, Notice again in verse uh, number 3. It says, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What did he do? He showed himself alive. They saw him, and then he spoke to them, and he spoke to them concerning the kingdom of God. You know, we find that the Lord is present as he was with his disciples here Before his ascension, the Lord is present with his people today. Today, we have assembled as God's people on the Lord's day. And just as he was with them in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4, may we understand the significance that he is with us. As we assemble in this congregation, in this auditorium, on this day, In this very moment, as we are here together, please do not lose the significance of this statement. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is with us. He's with us. You say, how do you know it, Pastor? Because he said so. Because he said so. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 20. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number five, he promised never to leave us nor to forsake us. Do you know what that means? That means that the Lord is with his people. Yes, he's with you throughout the week. Yes, he's with you every day. Yes, he's with you everywhere you go. But let me say this to you, there is something wonderful about the assembly of God's people and there's something glorious about the presence of Jesus Christ in the midst of his church my wife and I were discussing some things this morning and the sickness and she was telling me this one has said they're sick and they won't be there and uh, some of our staff is sick and, and are not able to be here and I began to think Well, who's going to be here today? That's what a pastor does. And then the Lord said to me, don't you remember what you're preaching? I certainly want everybody to be here because I believe you can get help. I believe you can get encouragement. I believe you can get instruction. I don't believe that you can neglect the church and be a strong Christian. I don't believe it. I don't believe you can be right with God and wrong with the church. I I just don't believe that. You say, where'd you get that? That's your opinion? Oh, no, no. That is the teaching of the Bible. The church is the central part of our lives here on earth. And so, friend, may God help us to be faithful to his church. But the most important thing is not who is here, humanly speaking. The most important thing for you and I to know is that he is here and he is here every Sunday morning and he is here every Sunday night and he is here every Wednesday and he is here every Saturday when we visit. He is here for every uh, activity and every class in the Christian school and every chapel service and every sporting event. Let me say to you that wherever the church is present, he is with us friend, that will change your perspective. You, you know, you're not just coming to church to tip the hat to God and do some service to him. No, no, you are coming to meet with Jesus. Now, I want you to uh, turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter number one. Revelation chapter number one. And I want us to spend some time looking at this thought that the Lord is present among us. Yes, he is here with us this morning as the Tabernacle Baptist Church is assembling together. Revelation chapter number one and verse uh, number 12. Revelation chapter number one and verse number 12. And this is the testimony of John the beloved. And he said, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden Candlesticks, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. We understand that the seven golden candlesticks are representative of the seven churches of Asia. And John sees the Lord, and he sees him in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks verse number 13 now look in chapter 2 revelation chapter 2 and verse number 1 unto the angel of the church of ephesus write these things saith he that holdeth uh, beholdeth or he that holdeth rather the seven stars in his right hand who walketh don't miss this please who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks where do we find jesus where did john find Jesus. He found him in the midst of his church. May I say to you this morning, the most important person in this auditorium is not you. It is not me. It is the Son of God. He is the one that we have come to worship today. And I thank God that he honors those who have come to worship him with his presence. Jesus is here In our midst. Ephesians chapter number two. Would you turn there with me? Ephesians chapter two. We're also going to look in just a minute in the book of Hebrews, and we'll stay there uh, for the remainder of our time together this morning. But notice, if you would, in Ephesians chapter number two, and in this (coughs) in this letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, Paul is speaking to them concerning their prior condition. That they were strangers, that they were aliens. Uh, that they were the enemies of God because of their sin. In chapter 2 and verse number 1, he says, and you hath he quickened. That means he made us alive. He gave us spiritual life. Uh, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time passed, verse 2, ye walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That word conversation means manner of living. We lived according to the lust of our flesh, he says. And he says, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But now notice verse 4. In the midst of that dreadful condition, we find these two words. But God. Aren't you glad that God intervened? But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. That means he has imparted his life to us. When we received him by faith, we were born again by the Holy Spirit. He hath quickened us together with christ by grace are you saved notice verse 6 and hath raised us up together and he has made us sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus you say pastor what is he talking about there i'm sitting here in uh, on 1225 29th avenue drive northeast hickory north carolina well, that's true, but let me tell you where else you're seated. You are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. We come and we meet together and the Lord is with us and the Lord raises us up out of the midst of this whole wicked, dirty world and out of this, this disruptive world and out of these burdens that we're dealing with. He raises us up together and we come into his presence in heavenly places. I want you to go with me now to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number two and verse number 10 because we find here an example of this. Hebrews chapter number two and verse number 10. We're talking about the Lord's presence among us. Hebrews chapter two and verse number 10. The Bible says, well, let's look at verse 9. But we see, what's the next word, church? So who are we talking about? We're talking about, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things And by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them. What's the next word? Brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee? And again, I will put my trust in Him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Do you see what we find here in these verses? We find that Jesus is in our midst, and that Jesus is proclaiming His name, and that Jesus is singing praises among his church he sings with us oh as we sang i just want to thank you lord i want to tell you he was rejoicing in that song as we sang when we all get to heaven let me tell you he was singing with us you say well we had a song leader up here yes we did but let me tell you who was leading us in our praise it wasn't a man it was jesus he is in the midst of his church Now, there's some truths, I just want to give them to you quickly, that we find in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 10. As we consider this thought that the Lord's presence is among us, first of all, as we gather to worship, as we gather to worship, we are ushered into heaven, into his presence. We're lifted, as I read in Ephesians chapter 2. We are lifted above out of this old world, into the very presence of God, into that tabernacle, not made with hands that we read about in Hebrews chapter number eight. Uh, We are there in the presence of God. And as the church assembles together, let me tell you, we have been lifted into his presence. Notice uh, what the Bible says in verse 10 again, Hebrews chapter two, for it became him for whom are (coughs) are all things, excuse me, and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Do you know what happens when we come together? Jesus gathers us as a family. He gathers us as a family. Notice the words that he uses in these in, this, in, in verse number 11. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Notice again in verse number 10, he brings many sons unto glory. If you know the Lord, you are a part of the family of God and this church is a visible physical manifestation. Of the family of God. And when we come together, we come together as the family of God. Jesus gathers us as a family. Worship, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special meetings. Those are family gatherings. And we find here that he's a great king. But even greater than the fact that he is our king, he is our God father. He's our father. He loves us. And so here we find the church is heaven on earth. We've got it right here when the Lord is among us. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Jesus leads our worship. Jesus leads our worship. We've discovered so many new titles in this day. In, in the realm of churches and we have all kinds of pastors and all kinds of uh, offices and there are certainly people who do very important functions, but one of them that concerns me is the term worship leader. <laughs> I wanna tell you that there's no human that can lead us to worship. The worship leader of the Tabernacle Baptist Church is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the worship leader. Notice again in verse 12, I will declare, <clears throat> I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Where is Jesus singing? Friend, he's singing in the midst of his church. And so when this congregation stands and we take a hymnal and, uh, and we begin to sing uh, the words of that hymn. We are singing to glorify God. We are singing to worship God. And I want to tell you the most important part of the entire song service of the Tabernacle Baptist Church, as much as I love the choir, as much as I love the instrumentalists, as much as I love all the things that God has blessed us with here, the most important part of the song service is when the congregation stands to sing praise to God. And the Lord said, I'm singing with you. Imagine that. Now, I want you to imagine when you don't feel like singing, or you're too distracted to sing, or you're too cool to sing, or you're too dignified to sing. Jesus is singing with us. He is leading us in worship. Here's the third thought about it. Do you know who does the preaching of the word? Well, you say, that's the pastor. Pastor? Well, the pastor preaches, but if there's any preaching that really gets done, do you know who does it? It's not me. Do you think I have enough personality? Well, you can already answer this question. Do you think I have enough ability? Do you think I can tell you enough stories and enough homilies to make you feel good? No, I can't do that. I'm not that gifted. I'm not that talented. And even if I were, let me tell you what it would leave you, it would leave you empty because you don't need to hear from man, you need to hear from God. It is God's word which has power. Oh, and how we need to hear from God. Notice what Jesus said in verse 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. If the name of God is proclaimed, let me tell you who does it. It is Jesus. When the preaching of the word is going forward and God's word begins to penetrate our hearts and minds and we fall under conviction or when we are encouraged or when we are strengthened, when God is dealing with us through his word, it's not a human person that is speaking to us. It is God himself who is speaking to us. And when he speaks to us, things change in our lives because his word is effectual. It is powerful. Oh, friend, if we just come to hear a man, we've made a big mistake. We need to hear from Jesus. It is Jesus who speaks to the souls of men. Yes, he uses us. Yes, we should proclaim his name. But when it is proclaimed, understand, it is not us. It is him who is leading the proclamation. And then we notice the fourth thing. Jesus comes to help us in our need. When we gather together, we as God's people are lifted together into his presence. Jesus is leading us in worship, and Jesus is proclaiming his name. He is doing the preaching, and as a result of that, in verses 17 and 18, Jesus comes to help us in our need. Go back with me now, Hebrews chapter 2. And verse number 17, wherefore, In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he, that's Jesus, might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted. Notice this, please. Would you say the next three words with me? He Is able to, what's the next word? Is succor. That's the word. Sucker them that are tempted. Now, that's an old English word. It's a word we don't use. Do you know what it means? It means he's able to help them. He's able to help them. Now, let me tell you the primary goal of worship should not be so you can have your needs met. The primary goal of worship is to glorify and honor Jesus. But as we worship, an outcome of our worship is that he meets our needs. And so we see that he, verse 18, who suffered, The songwriter said, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Do you know why it's true? Because he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I can't identify with everything you're going through. I can identify with many things you're going through. And you can't identify with everything I'm going through. You might be able to identify with many things I'm going through. But there's only one who can identify with all things that I'm going through, and that's Jesus. And let me tell you, friend, he is my faithful high priest who is passed into the heavens, who makes intercession for me. He is praying for me. He cares about me. He loves me. He knows how I feel. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with my grief, and therefore he is uniquely able to not only to sympathize with me, but to help me in my time of trouble. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people who have a hard time, maybe with their marriage, maybe with their children, maybe with their job, maybe with a relationship inside the church. And what they do in the midst of that hard time is they withdraw from God's people, and they withdraw from God's presence. Do you know that the Lord will never lead you to do that? Let me tell you who will lead you to do that, the devil himself. Friend, it is when we come together and we worship Jesus that we are drawn together into his presence and as we are hearing his name proclaimed, as we are singing, do you know what God does? He meets our needs. I can't tell you how many times I've come to church with burdens, with my mind weighed down with heavy things, discouraged, weak, and just one Wednesday night service, and I've forgotten all my troubles because I've been with Jesus. And just one moment in his presence, that's all I need. And so, friend, as we think about our church as we think about the basics of Christian living and the basics of the New Testament church, there are three essential things. The Lord's presence among us. Let me tell you what's important. What is important is that the Lord is here. And I thank God that the Lord is here. Now, I want to tell you that Satan will try to distract us with all sorts of peripheral things. He'll try... Uh, to 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 cause discontentment amongst us. But here's the thing that we have to keep at the forefront of all of our efforts in this church is that the Lord's presence is among us. Now, friend, if the Lord is among us, why would we not want to be here? Do you know how hard it is to get people to come to church? Sure, you do. You've tried. Why is it so hard because we've forgotten something we've forgotten who's here jesus is here i don't want to miss jesus in 2020 do you i don't want to miss jesus in 2020 and jesus has said every time tabernacle baptist church meets i am in the midst i want to be here don't you oh we've had some wonderful meetings over the years I thank God for them. You know what I always think about in the midst of it? I think about the people who didn't get to hear it. May God help us. We don't want to miss a thing, do we? The Lord is with us. As we worship him, it's important for us to note that, hey, when we take a hymnal in our hand, we're singing with the Lord. As the word of God is proclaimed, we're singing with the Lord. That will help us forget about our cell phones long enough to hear from God. You see, when the church meets, Jesus meets with us. You know what happens to us in his presence? We're comforted. We're conformed to his image. We're strengthened. We're often refreshed. We're healed. (laughs) And we're lifted above these old dreadful circumstances. Do you know, when our family comes together, it's very important to my wife and I that everybody's there. And sometimes we don't really do much. And my kids say in their youth, oh, what, what does it matter if I'm here at this particular thing or not? And they all like to be home for special holidays. But maybe I'd say, hey, why don't you come out of your room, come downstairs and sit with us. And do what? <laughs> maybe we'll just Talk. About what? <laughs> look, we just want to be together. You say, well, you know, you might get on your phone. Okay, you might. But look, we're all together at least. We might all be on our phone, but we're all together, right? <laughs> There's just something about being together that you don't fully appreciate until everybody's not. And when everybody's not, it's not quite the same. This is a family. We gather and when we're all here, it's a glorious thing. But when we're all not, it's just not the same. So as we go into 2020, let's resolve to be faithful. Now, I know there are people who can't drive at night. I get that. I understand that. But there are many of us who have no excuse. We've just let other things become more important. And we have forgotten that when we come together, we come to meet with Jesus. If we have the Lord's presence, we have all we need. If we don't have the Lord's presence, we have nothing. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org.